Hi friends, welcome back to Nobody Knows, the self-discovery podcast dedicated to the ones who are still trying to figure it all out in life. I hope you are all doing well and happy 1st of September. Fall is finally upon us and I need to know if you are either a fall lover like me or if you're super sad that summer's over. I already went and bought like eight fall candles and I've been patiently waiting to light them in September. I feel like August was a little too early to start having the fall scents in the house, but now it's September and I'm ready. You can also probably tell it's September or the fall season is upon us because I am so stuffed up. I don't know if I have a head cold. I don't know if it's allergies, but I am very, very stuffed up. So I don't sound like my normal self, but bear with me because we have a guest on today's podcast episode. So you won't have to listen to me too much. With these change of the season, I want to highlight that Nobody Knows turned one year old on the 26th. And I've said this in past episodes, but I am really proud that I've stuck it out and have been consistent with this podcast. From your feedback on Instagram, on TikTok, and actually getting to meet some of you in person, I am confident that the need to help each other out, to learn from one another, is still very present today. I didn't do any posts about it on social media, mostly because I was being very self-deprecating in hindsight looking back on it, and I was like, no one's really going to care that I turned one, but I really should care because each episode represents a lot of hard work and a whole lot of understanding on your side as we've all gone through the same experiences or similar experiences. Today's episode is a fun one because we're talking about taking control of our finances. And if you're questioning, Juliana, how is talking about money fun? Stay tuned because we're going to go in depth on how to create a sustainable budget that you're actually going to want to stick to, ways to get yourself out of a lot of debt. And I'm not talking like five to 10K of debt because that is a lot, but more so into the 30s and 40,000s of debt. We'll also be discussing that gone are the days of just having one steady income. Life's competitive, the career landscape is changing, and you can make more than you've ever imagined from multiple streams of income, and it's actually fairly easy to do. And we cover financial terms to pay attention to that might influence or affect your income in your 20s. Because let's be honest, we all can't be, you know, financial encyclopedias. Our guest today is Deidre from OU Budget. From the beginning, Deidre has been the trusted source for personal finance guidance amongst her friends, but it wasn't an effortless journey all the way through. Armed with every debt that you can think of, Deidre was determined to transform her financial situation. And if you've already followed Deidre's journey, you'll know that she has pulled herself out of $42,000 of debt. She set out on a mission to educate herself, making the journey from debt to wealth. On socials, Deidre shares her extensive knowledge and unwavering passion for budgeting, along with her personal financial journey to empower others. She firmly believes that the key to financial wealth and freedom begins at ground zero, and that's with a budget. As part of our conversation, Deidre passed along her budgeting dashboard for me to take a whack at. A budgeting exercise, if you will. And full disclaimer, I don't budget. 
I have tried in the past, but I have always failed like after the first month. I'm not very financially savvy. I have investments, but I wouldn't say that I'm thriving and I definitely don't feel secure currently with my money. So in this exercise, Deidre works with me to tell my money where to go so that I can feel good about my income and how I'm spending it. And after going through the exercise with Deidre, I felt very invigorated. I felt excited and like I had the tools to take on September and plan out my budget. I'm planning to stick to this dashboard in September and I highly recommend you to join me if you want to get serious about your finances. Check out the show notes as I've linked all of her budgeting dashboards and trackers there. Thank you so much, Deidre, for joining us today on Nobody Knows. I am very excited about the conversation that we're going to have. Let's start at the beginning. Can you share how your financial story began and how it led to you to build OU Budget? So I started with so much debt and I was financially illiterate. I didn't know anything about money. And I also kind of didn't care <laughs> in a way because I was under the impression that first of all everyone has debt and that is normal and also I was very into I am here for now like I can live my life and plus I wasn't making that much money anyway so I thought it didn't really matter that's how I started noticing my money and I'll talk more about like how I realized it was a problem a bit mm -hmm. later but um, once I started getting out of debt I was sharing it with everyone that I knew so I had no no shame. I was just like, this is what I'm doing. I'm getting out of debt. And so my friends and family always came to me to ask me like, oh, okay, like what kind of accounts should I use? Or like, how do you like get out? Of, how are you getting out of debt? Show me because I'm in debt. And like, I would sit with my friends and create budgets with them and create debt payoff plans with them. And so I was always that go-to person, even though I was in the journey. But the thing about it is my friends, they would listen to me talk about it. And then they wouldn't take my advice, even when I'd sit there with them and I'd be like, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. You're going to be debt free in eight months. And they just wouldn't do it. And then I thought to myself, you know what? Like, this is what I love to talk about. Let me share it online because then other people who want to listen to me will follow me. And if you don't want to listen to me, then you wouldn't be following me. So that is basically how I started OU Budget. It was just because I wanted to keep talking about money and saving. <laughs> how did you come up with the name OU Budget? Because it's it's different. It's It kind of sounds conversational. <laughs> this sounds funny because it reminds me of the story of how Apple became Apple. It's like you have a certain time to come up with a name. And if you don't come up with a name, it's <laughs> going to be Apple. Like it was one of those things. I was just like, okay, I don't have a name. And if I don't think of a name, it's going to be OU Budget. Like that's just what it was. Like mm -hmm. I never put real thought into it. I was just like, right. I need to come up with a name. If I don't, that's the name. And I didn't I love come it. up with another name. <laughs> Well, I like it because like I said, it sounds like you're having a discussion of someone who you're talking to that has like-minded interests as you're like, oh, you budget as well. Like it's kind of just, yeah. and, and you be like become close friends or within your network. I love that. Yeah. When yeah. you first realized you had a problem with money, what were the thoughts, feelings going through you? What was the first thing that you did to take action? I didn't know I had a problem with money. And by, by the way, I'm like, a recovering well I'm, I'm recovered now uh overspenders <laughs> impulse shopper. so back then I was impulse shopping I had every debt to my name student loans credit cards store cards I was using my overdraft as like mm. a pad for my for my paycheck I had everything line of credit everything was maxed out so I didn't know I had a problem until I went to the bank 
And I think I went to the bank to like deposit a check or something. And the teller nearly fell out when she saw how much debt I was in because my line of credit with the bank. Um, so all she could see was that my overdraft was in the negative. So my checking was in the negative. Um, I had uh, my credit card maxed out, which I had only one credit card with them. And then the other product I had with them was my line of credit, which was maxed out. So she was just like, you're too young to be having this much debt. Like she cared more about it than I did. <laughs> and I, in my mind, again, I was thinking like, oh, I'm young or whatever. I'll pay it off when I get a real job. Like it's not that serious. But when she was having that reaction to the debt that I have in my mind, I was like, this is all you can see. Like I have two other store cards that are maxed out. I have another mm -hmm. credit card, another bank that's maxed out. And like, I have student loans and she didn't even see that. And I'm like, your reaction off of this, like, it must be that serious. So I was so embarrassed. Like, was that the only time I was ever so embarrassed in my life? Because in my mind, I just had that thought, like, it's not that serious. Because I was told, not that I was told that it was not that serious. It's just like, everyone in my surroundings, like family, friends, everyone had dead. It was compared, it was like, kind of like, not that big of a deal. So it was having someone, a stranger, like be so concerned about me that made me feel like, oh, this is a problem. So from then I was just like, okay, I'm going to like figure out how to get out of debt. And that's when I started following Dave Ramsey. At the time, it was like perfect for the season that I was in because I was like, okay, I need to get out of debt. He had a plan and I roughly followed the plan. There's definitely things I would change <laughs> if I were to tell anyone in that season, it was fine for me. And I realized that I am not a credit card person. Well, I am now. That's all I use now. But before <laughs> I realized I wasn't a credit card person and um, I had to start using cash because <laughs> I was in debt and I kept getting more and deeper into yeah. debt. I used the envelope system for me to get out of debt. And then I used like the jar system too. I moved from like envelopes to the jar. So like I put money in the jars oh <laughs> and spend just cash. It, it was it was a really long process. You actually like go into my next question of like, how did you actually get yourself out of 42K in debt? Because I feel like just saying that like, yeah, it's a lot. But like once you're actually in it, I feel like it would be very tedious and long. And I feel like there would be a lot of times where you would want to give up as well as like not feed into your habits that you were doing previously that were bad habits, but you're used to those habits. Yeah, I actually, um, it took me a really long time. I want to say it took me about eight years. And that might sound insane Gosh. to some people because they might be like, you could have done that in like four, which is true. I probably could have, but I was making like not that much money, even though I had three jobs. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. I put in a lot of effort to try to pay it down, but I... <laughs> In a way, I was kind of working backwards because even though I was working a lot, I just wasn't making enough money to pay it down. And I also wasn't really changing much of my habits. Like I was still doing the cash. I was still paying down. I still had a plan. But again, I was still an impulse shopper. Like I didn't fix the problem. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. saw the debt and thought that I need to pay the debt off. Great. But I still fed into my impulses and right. still bought like the bags and the designer stuff just because I still had that mentality of like, well, I'm paying it down, like, but I should be able to live now. I still traveled, still did that stuff. Mm -hmm. If I could go back, I would do, I would have changed so many things. I would have been out of debt so much sooner. Still though, like, I feel like yeah, eight years sounds like a long time, but it makes sense with that. It's like a lot of debt. Yeah. 
in hindsight, of course you could have done it faster or in like a better way. But I think the fact that you even did it in the first place is like pretty remarkable. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Do you believe that our 20s should be for grinding it out and saving as much as possible versus I feel like everyone gets to adulthood in their 20s, but really we're just like baby adults. Most of us don't have the financial knowledge. We certainly didn't learn it in school unless we majored in math or anything like that. We have more access to money and we have more control over how we spend that money. And so most of us blow it or we don't spend it responsibly or in ways that we need to to live life properly. What's your take? Should we be investing a lot in our like youth and then enjoying it more when we're older? Or how do you feel? I love this question because I was just having this conversation with my dad literally two days ago. And <laughs> talking about how I, this is what I told my dad. I was like, I wish somebody told me when I first started getting a job, like I got a job, my first job at 16, I wish somebody sat me down and said like, listen, for 10 years, grind it out, work all the shifts, your body's able to like take the beating, you know, work the two jobs, the three jobs, whatever, save up your money, invest early and buy assets. And then that way, when you're in your thirties and in your forties, you can make work optional in a sense, not saying like you don't have to work, but like optional in a sense that maybe you might have like a rental property or you can work a job that doesn't maybe pay a lot, but you can do something you like, or maybe start that business. Like when I'm 30, I want to start that coffee shop thing that I had that idea that I've been wanting to do since I was 16. Like you had that option because you kind of set yourself up early. That's what I wish. I know for a fact that I'd be so much farther than I am right now had I taken that advice. If somebody had given me, given me that advice. To your point, if you grind it out and you're then into your 30s like you don't necessarily have to rely on your job as your sole income like you have other ways that are coming into your pot it takes also the pressure off of like work in our 20s and into our 30s we put so much pressure on work because that's like our only income and so then we get into that burnout or that hustle culture of just working to ensure that we're making enough money and even then I was just talking to my dad about this as well we're talking about hustle culture because I keep saying like oh I'm in grind mode I share that all the time (laughs) even with my followers and I have to like say that like grind season is just for a season and I feel like Mm -hmm. people like to make that whole lifestyle yeah and I'm just like that burnout and that leaves like when you see like the 30 and 40 years old 40 year olds even the 50 year old 60 year old at work and they're clocking in they don't want to be there they're tired and I feel like this season in your 20s (laughs) when you said that you have the ability to work so many jobs in your 20s because like you're young you're limber like you just have so much energy yeah And I remember also working like two jobs, like one full-time job. And then I would do like a part-time job at night. And I would do that literally all through the week and on weekends. I was exhausted, but like I could do it. Now, if I could, if I had to do that, I literally would not be well. I would not be okay. It's something to, to definitely think about if someone's in that possibility or at that age to actually do that so that they could get ahead. I like that a lot. 
and there's that sense of like, oh, when you retire, when you're 65, you get to do all these things, but who wants to do all that at 65 when you can yeah. be enjoying yourself earlier, mm-hmm. whether so regardless of when earlier is 50s could be 40s, doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. like earlier. <laughs> yeah. Or even having like a taste of it when you're in your thirties or forties, like you can do like 75% work and then 25% is like your own time. Whereas like right now, personally, I'm doing like 95% of work and like 5% of like my own time. Right. Yeah. What's the best piece of financial advice someone has given you? There's not, it's not necessarily advice that someone has given me personally, but I always share about how I used to watch this YouTuber who would share her budget breakdowns. She was like very transparent with her income and like where her money was going. She had a plan for her money. And watching that was the first time I saw that somebody can make a large sum of income a month between like 15, 17, sometimes $18,000 in a month. And like in my mind, that was so foreign to me. I was just like, I didn't know people can make that much money in a month. That's insane. And I feel like that was the first time that kind of clicked I don't know why I thought that was like so weird to me, but it was the first time in my mind that people can make, make more income, first of all, but you don't have to work one job to make that you can make multiple streams of income. So that was the first time I was just like open up to that. Cause before I was making like maybe like 2000, maybe 3000 a month. And I was thinking like, well, that's all I can make. That's all my job pays me. Like, like, what am I supposed to do? I can't think of any best financial advice, but just watching that, that was the best financial opening to my world. That was seeing someone making a large sum of income a month and realizing that I don't need to just work one job or rely on one source of income to make. Right. Like, I'm not an anesthesiologist. Like, how do I make that money? I, I didn't realize that you can make multiple sources. It's actually really interesting. I feel like it's a a recent movement. I think with just being uh, like in social media and everything that people are more willing to share their income. And I like love it too, because not that I want to compare myself to anyone else, but it's good to know what people are making out there as one for motivation and two also so that you can be somewhat competitive and, and understand, okay, I'm making this much I maybe I don't have the same amount of skills as this person does, or maybe I'm lacking in these areas. But if I work towards these goals, or I level up and get these credentials or whatever, I could be making this. Or it could be like a complete career switch. And like you said, with the multiple sources of of income or revenues or streams of income, maybe I divvy up my time and be a little bit more strategic in how I'm spending my time so that I can have more streams of revenue. Because like you, I had no idea that that was even possible. And like the career trajectory, like it's changing, right? Like people don't just have one job like that. I feel like is not the norm anymore. Yeah. That's not the norm at all. (laughs) For example, so many people message me and they're just like, Oh, like, how do I make more money? I like my job only pays me $3,000 a month. And they're just working the one job. And I keep telling them like, Oh, like what other things can you do? that can bring in more revenue. For example, my sister, my sister's a kindergarten teacher. And so she just has her one job. I always see her like up late on weekends doing her lesson plans. And I'm like, why don't you sell those? Like so many people would buy a lesson plan. Even you would like you're, you're using your weekends and like your summers to create lesson plans for your school. And I'm just like, you could buy those things like that. I'm just like this. It's so easy. 
well, I don't want to say it's too, it takes work. Yeah, it takes work, but also like you're right when it's like be strategic about what you're doing. So like your sister, if she's already teaching and she's already doing this work, I guess maybe we're not like educated enough to know that people want that and people would pay for that, right? We just, your sister's probably like, oh, I do this all the time for work. Who is going to want to buy this? But it's sort of like, yes, people will actually pay for this to ease their own workload. Yeah. Every episode, I share a submission from a listener telling us a time in their lives when they had no idea what they were doing. So Molly from Instagram wrote in specifically about managing money. So I thought it was very fitting for this episode. She says, becoming financially independent was definitely a tough time for me because I had to learn how to budget. I had to learn what to buy, what not to buy, paying for my own bills and literally anything I wanted. It comes down to knowing what I need and what I want. And I think that that aligns really well with your mission, Deidre. Can you break down how one can start a budget and furthermore, how grand or how small it should be to make a noticeable difference? I feel like that's so relatable. (laughs) But I also want to say the thought or the word budget or budgeting is so icky in some people's minds. They associate it with restriction and like, oh, like something like that's a task that's not fun. And I always like to like rephrase what budgeting means so that people can like see it from a different lens. So a budget, you're telling your money what to do and where to go. That's all it is. So everything else you think about budgeting, just toss it out for a bit and just think about, okay, I'm going to tell my money what to do and where to go. So it's going to go here to bills. It's going to go here. Just tell your money what to do that's that's all budgeting it it sounds like you're like really in control it's kind of sexy (laughs) I I agree (laughs) I definitely agree with that I have like a list of steps that I give someone who has never budgeted before or if they have fallen off their budget this works perfectly for them as well and I always start with the first thing which I think is the most important thing is having a reason why like a strong reason why that you want to budget because that will be the thing that will keep you budgeting month after month. Because if you're just like, okay, I'm going to budget because I'm an adult now. And like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's good. You're going to budget for like two, three months and then you're going to fall off. But when you have like a strong reason why, then that's going to be the thing that makes it into a habit. And then you're just doing it. You're not even thinking about it. You're just budgeting. It's like five minutes of your day. And then not even your day probably entire month (laughs) and then it's just done so that's what we want and the why is the the thing that you need so I always say like your why can be anything it could be like okay well you know I want financial freedom I want to be able to go to restaurants whenever I want I don't want to have to be like oh I can't afford this if if you're that person you're like I want to be the person that says like yeah I can do this I can I can buy the shirt that I want, things like that. Or it could be like, you know what? I need to save for a down payment and I have a two-year deadline. Like I need to budget. That's a strong reason why. So I always start with a strong reason why. That's step number one. And then when I think of a budget or even if you use a template or use my template or if you use a pen and paper. So the second step is to list your bills and your savings and your debts. And I and I do it in this order for a reason and I'll explain why later. So you just list your bills, um, any debt payments that you 
that you pay out and any regular savings that you already put towards, whether that's like retirement, whatever it's naturally you're saving towards. And this is not um, like a wish list. This is what, like, this is not a dream. This is what my dream budget's going to look like. I want to start putting 500 towards this. If you're not doing it right now, just leave it out. We can always go back and change it. Step number three, I always say go back three months of your spending history. And you can find that if you use a credit card, you can find that online and print that out and then highlight the things that pop up the most. Cause those will be the things that will tell you what your categories are in your expenses. So we're, we're right now we're trying to figure out our expense categories. So that will be like, you'll notice like, oh, okay, takeout comes out a lot. So that's, I'm going to name one takeout. And I see that I'm shopping for clothes a lot. That's clothing. You're going to add the three months of all of those expenses. And then you're going to divide it by three to get your monthly number. And we're going to use that as your budget because it's what you've already been spending anyway. So it shouldn't be much of a difference, but this will shock you because it'll be one of those things where you will see that you spent like 3000 on Uber Eats in the last three months. And then you're like, okay, so my budget is $1,000 for Uber Eats. Like, that's insane. Like, you're going to see that it's insane, but that's what you were before. So yeah, that is insane. So we're just going to live within that. And you're probably not even going to spend it because you're naturally going to be like, oh, I can never spend $1,000 on Uber Eats. But we're going to live within the guidelines that you've already been spending as your first budget. Because if you start budgeting an ideal budget, you're not going to stick to it because you're going to feel like it's restrictive. It's going to look good on paper, but it's not realistic. And we want to be realistic. And then, so next is step number four, we're going to go and we're going to figure out our income. And I love placing this step number four, because it is so easy to adjust and tweak your budget to make it look good and to fit in within your, with your income. But when you are putting your numbers out already. And then you see like, oh, wow, I don't have enough income to cover what I've been spending. Then you're going to like a little comes off. I always say it's so easy to cut back on your spending, but there's only so much cutting back that we can do. <laughs> you can always make more money. You're going to have to sacrifice your time for sure, but that's an option rather than cutting back your lifestyle. And then again, falling off your budget because it's not realistic. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to start tracking your spending. And the thing about tracking your spending, which might seem insane to some people is like, they're like, well, I'm supposed to write down everything I buy. Like that's insane. But yeah, you are <laughs> like, like you, you might eventually get to a point where you don't have to track your spending anymore. But if you're starting off, I always say track your spending because then that way you can get a realistic idea if you're living within the guidelines that you set for yourself. You can say, okay, I'm not spending my grocery money on shoes. Like once you get into a normal budget routine, you can say like, okay, like I usually spend say $900 a month and I know that I spend 250 on groceries. Like I'm not gonna accidentally buy a jacket. You'll get into that kind of uh, routine of your budget. But if you're first starting out, track your spending, see if it matches up within the guidelines that you're spending. And then you're able to see in real time if you're going over budget in a certain category. And then you can cut that out right away. Those are the steps that I always give. I love those. And for listeners, we actually did a little bit of a budgeting exercise. So I had to complete all of these steps. And let me tell you, I was extremely humbled doing this exercise. I wrote to Deidre and I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But 
I think that that is the, the point. Like you look at things because when you spend and you don't track your, your each purchase and you don't look at your overall budgets, of course, you're going to like go overboard and you're going to spend the crazy numbers, like the three K on Uber eats and everything. So mine wasn't necessarily that high, but it was high. And I was kind of shell shocked, but I'm really glad that I did it. And I'm looking forward to this exercise. So why don't we hop in? I provided you the numbers. So um, I'm going to let you steer. I'm going to let you drive. Take us on like a session of if you're working one-on-one with other people, how it would typically go once they've filled out uh, your template. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. So, so we'll, we'll just, just go over, over basically, basically the stuff that I just said really quickly within your numbers. So I asked you to, number one, to come up with the reason why. And you, you can share your reason why. why. I don't remember if you wrote that in there. I didn't actually uh, include it. No, I didn't. But we can chat through it now. Do we only do that? Yeah, for sure. It's the most important step. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my reason why that's actually a good question because I don't even know if I have one. Is that bad? Like, do people say that? No, that's normal. That's completely normal. But the thing about it is you can always come up with a reason why and your why can always change as well. True. Okay. I feel like my reason why, why, well, first off, why I found you on TikTok was I do want to be like financially, financially responsible. And I do want to feel like I am in control of my finances. And I don't necessarily think I feel that way right now because one, I'm not very financially illiterate. I don't have a budget. I sort of get the income and I allocate it accordingly, accordingly, but I don't don't feel necessarily necessarily satisfied satisfied by by where all of my my money's money's going. going. And And I feel like that's a little little bit risky. risky. Like I don't don't feel feel super super comfortable comfortable when I get paid paid. and I want to feel feel in control and I want to feel satisfied with with where my money money is going. going. So what I'm hearing is your reason why would be, (laughs) I feel like we're in therapy. What I'm hearing is your reason why would be that you want more for yourself in the sense that you want to feel confident with your money. You want to be comfortable. You want to be able to, tell your money basically where to go and what to do. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I also want to know, couple that with um, if you have any like long-term plans or anything that you are looking forward to doing or having. It could be near future. That's good. Okay, so for context, I just moved in with my partner. And prior to that, I've been like single for forever. So I guess if we were to ask me like, prior to meeting my partner, it would have been to be more, to feel like totally hundred percent confident on my own financially, not have to like worry about, oh, I don't have someone else to go in on like a house or anything like that. Now that I live with my partner, obviously things are cheaper because we're splitting everything. That said, I've moved into his house. So us to buy a, a new house is like very long term down the road. I would say like 10 plus years, if that we're thinking about like moving to the G- GTA. Like, are we going to buy? Are we going to rent? We haven't really had those discussions yet because we're out of the GTA right now, just sort of enjoying like nesting, I guess you could call it right now. So I think maybe that's actually a good conversation for us to have is like, okay, like 10 years down the line, like where do we actually like see ourselves? I would really like to have money, not to use at my disposal because I don't want to go spending it, but like, let's say, something were to happen and I don't have like a nine to five job anymore, like I'm going to be okay. I think that's the thing that 
no to cliche as it sounds keeps me up at night is like oh like what happens if I don't have an, a job like a nine to five like am I gonna like how is my way of life gonna work like am I gonna be able to afford it like what's gonna happen right so I think that would probably be like my goal right now that's a good reason why that's like a really reason why yeah so that's great so we just figured out your reason why so now we have the reason why I made you list out your bills which is not bad at all I'm like looking at it um do you mind if I share the numbers oh go ahead share it all (laughs) mention it all mention it all (laughs) your bills come up to roughly a little under 260 dollars like your fixed bills after that, I asked you to list your debt and your regular savings contributions, and that was $733 towards debt, and then your savings, so another 800 and something so dollars. And then I made you go back three months and write out all your uh, expenses, your daily spending, and that by three, and that came out to a nice chunk of money. <laughs> God, it was so bad, but yeah, you go, you go ahead and, and talk about that, Deidre. Yeah. So explain to people to do this ex- exercise. I say again, to go back three months, tally it all up, like include it all and then divide it by three to get the monthly number. So it says groceries, you spent about $230 clothing around $440 uh, fast food, uh, $582. Dear Lord. (laughs) Coffee, $82. Okay. uh, Pause for a second. I thought that one was going to be much higher. I was like, this is good for me to know, because if you were to ask me point blank, what do you spend more, uh, more money on takeout food or coffee? I would have totally said coffee. And I always like, beat on myself to be like, oh, well, you can't be spending money on coffee because you spend so much already. But it's like, I also am very much of the person if if you can work it into your budget, it's not really um, something to like, speak down to yourself about. Like if you like going out and taking yourself out for coffee, then, and it works within your means, then do it, right? So this was, I just wanted to say, this was very eye-opening that I spend more money on takeout food then take out coffee. I actually agree with that. And I'll go deeper into that a bit later. Uh, the next one was gas, which was $86. Self-care, about $500. Uh, dog care. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> look on your face. Yeah. Don't be ashamed. So you're real spending numbers. Yeah. <laughs> a dog care, $260. And then entertainment, $113. So that's around $2,300 a month just on everyday spending. So Mm -hmm. this is where I tell people. So I say, even though some of it might look ridiculous, like you're going to look at your takeout food and you're like, I'm not going to spend, like, even though that's my budget, I'm not going to spend $582. You might think that if you were to, if I were to tell you to create a budget, fresh budget, like without these numbers, not knowing these numbers, you're going to put like takeout at a hundred dollars. It's going to be so unrealistic. True. And you're going to, beat yourself up because you're going to be like, Oh, I'm over budget. Like, I can't believe I'm over. You're going to see all this red in your, in your budget. And you're, and it's not going to make you want to continue budgeting. Cause you're like, well, I already messed up this month. I'm, I'm not going to track anymore. I will, I will pick it up next month. And then you're not going to pick it up next month. I always say, just live within the numbers that you were already spending. You're already, you were spending this. So it mm-hmm. shouldn't, 
be that much of a problem to continue to right. spend the same way, but just track it. The next step was your income. So we went to step number four. And so now that we have like your, your bills, your expenses, your debt, your savings already set out, you're, we're now we're looking at your income. So your income is 3,765 roughly. So if you see at the quick view summary, right at the, the closer to the bottom on the bottom right, it says that your income, so your incoming is $3,765.36. And then what your budget, your budget to spend is $3,381.71. So you'd have $383 left over. That might be enough for some people to be like, oh, three, $300 left over. That's great. But if you have any savings goals, you're not going to be able to hit that. $383, you're not be able to put more on your debt if you wanted to, or, you know, more into savings, mm -hmm. like something would have to give within your expenses in a, in a way. So it's, that's why I always tell people to like do the income portion fourth. That way you're not yes. creating a budget. That's like, okay, well, my income is $3,700. Let me just like fudge the numbers a bit so that it looks like I have a lot more left over because we created a fresh budget for you for September, we don't have your tracking because this would begin in September. But after that, you would just be tracking your spending against the the budget numbers that you set for yourself. Well, Got it. that you've been spending. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's basically the, the route, the route that we would take I love you it. through. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is so exciting because I'm going to do this for September. Yeah. I'm going to follow up with I'm you, but I'll also- Thank yeah, you. Yeah. But I'm also going to follow up with listeners too. And like, maybe we can do it all together if people like want to actually get serious about their finances. Cause I had posted this on Instagram and there were so many people that responded that were like, I don't budget. I don't know how to budget. Like I've never been exposed to resources that could teach me about money. This is really exciting. Like the way that you explained it is perfect because it's not like we're like you said, finagling the numbers within our specific income, but it's looking realistically at what we're already spending. And that is so much more realistic. Like it doesn't feel like yeah. such a burden and you're so right. Like it makes me excited. It's like, yeah, I want to track it. And it's yeah. almost like a game to underspend what we have budgeted in the expenses. Like I feel like it's yeah. a game. Like I'm like, I want to get underneath it. Right. So it like yeah. sort of challenges you to not spend where it's like before I was like, yeah, charge it, charge just like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I always say it's great to live below your means. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if you're looking at your, your budget and you're like, okay, well, I am living below my means in the sense that I'm not out here buying this and that, like I'm just paying for what I like I'm normally buying, like I need my food, my clothes, whatever. I'm not going excess. I'm not doing excessive amounts of shopping or stuff like that. Then you'll quickly see that your income might be the problem. And that might be the motivation for you to use your income. I love that you can clearly see like, okay, well, if I want to live comfortably, say you're living comfortably right now and you have $383 left over, then you're like, then you might think to yourself, okay, I need to find another source of income. I might need to, you know, maybe put in more hours just so I can hit a few goals. Maybe it might be a grind season for like four months. I mean, something like that, like really nail out something or like knock off a, like a, a your, say for example, your visa card. If you pay that off, 
$100 back into your pocket, like things like that. So you're able to see that clear as day. And I feel like my issues and like barriers that have prevented me from becoming financially literate are that one, I hate math and I'm also terrible at it. Like I've just never been that person that gets it. I I think it's like left and right brain. And I think I'm very much more right brain, whatever brain is like more creative. That's just how I am. Yeah. And I also don't want to go against like, oh, like women are bad at math, but I've definitely like instilled that in myself. And I think a lot of women do do that. And you are not doing that. So first off, like kudos to you, because it is hard to just (laughs) fall into that mind trap of like, oh, well, like, I'm not good at my budget. I don't manage my finances. I'm just not good at math and just like, let it be a problem for another day. So what's your Um, advice for others who are not confident about their finances? People like me who think that they're bad at math, but like necessarily, you don't necessarily need to be good at math to take care of your finances. No, not at all. Because if we go back and remember what I said, that you're just telling your money what to do and where to go. And if we are just doing that, then it should be pretty, I don't want to say it's pretty simple, but it's not as hard as you think. Like you're, you might be overthinking it. So yeah, there's also, Another thing with budgeting, there's different methods of budgeting out there. Like what might work for you might not work for your friends. Like there's different methods. And I always say the best budgeting method is the one that works for you. Like it it might not be tracking, maybe tracking your spending might not be a thing and that's fine, but you're still telling your money what to do. Maybe it's like, okay, you know what? This goes out automatically. I have auto auto payments to my bills, auto payments to my debt and savings, and I'm spending what's left over. And maybe I won't track that. Maybe it's just like, okay, I have a thousand dollars left to spend, and I'm just gonna spend that freely as I wish, and that's it. You know, I won't track it. But you know that that's your other savings goals, your other categories are being handled, being taken care of, and that's great. That that's budgeting too. But the method that I use, which is kind of not that popular is the month ahead budget. So I love budgeting using my income from last month. And then everything I make in the month goes to next month because I have a very, like my, my income is irregular. So I love the fact of knowing that I know exactly how much I'm going to save, spend, give at the beginning of the month. And it's already done. All my transfers are made and I just start over. So that might work for somebody else. Yeah, I like that. It kind of it goes back to my uh, goal of I just want to feel financially secure. And like, let's say I don't have a job tomorrow. I mean, it's only one month ahead, but still that's better than no months ahead. Like I kind of like that yeah. financial security. You just, you're at ease. What are your top three financial terms that you think people in their 20s and even in their early, early 30s should know and incorporate into their budget or their vocabulary or just get more familiar with. Remember how before I was talking about um, your like variable and your fixed expenses. Yes. I feel like that is something you should know. So your, your fixed is like fixed bills is your, the things that you need to pay them on time or you'll get uh, penalized. They're your bills that are due. So that will be like your mortgage or your rent, things like that need to be paid. So those are like priority your variable expenses are things that are necessary, but they're also nice to have as well. So you can cut back if you need to, you can cut them out. Maybe it's 
I don't know, subscription or something. Like if you need to get rid of it or cut back on that, you can do that all you want. So those two, very, very important to know. Emergency fund and sinking fund. Oh, let me talk about this. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. So emergency fund. Because some people ask me, they're like, oh, like what's an emergency fund? What's a sinking fund? And I feel like knowing this, because even having these alongside your budget is so important. Again, we're talking about how if you lost your job, like you, you would, if you were a month ahead, it'd be great. But if you had an emergency fund, even better. So, yeah. So, yeah, an emergency fund, which is so important to have, I always say, and I've heard other people say before too. So it's not, I'm not coining it as my own thing, but like (laughs) not having an emergency fund is an emergency. That's it's so true because <laughs> I had to live on my emergency fund during the 2020. So I am a strong advocate for having an emergency fund. So that is basically putting money aside for an emergency and an emergency will happen whether you don't think it will or not. Something will, something's bound to happen, whether that is like your car breaking down unexpectedly or like somebody passed away, you have to fly out to you know, Italy to go see your family for the funeral or, you know, job loss, like we mentioned, something, having like a little cushion aside for an emergency that, so you don't have to use your earned income that month or go into debt to pay for it is so important to have. And most people say have three to six months um, as a, your emergency fund, but I say have the amount that makes you comfortable. So that might be more than six months. It might be less than six months. It, it might be whatever you're comfortable with. If you, but like not too low. Yeah. <laughs> but I always feel like that number is different for everyone. But the guideline of three to six months is a good guideline to have. But okay. also say what you're comfortable with. Sure. And where do you keep this fund? Like, what account would you put that in? I keep mine in a high yield, high interest savings account or high yield savings account. And that will yield you between like 2.5%, depending on what bank you go to. There's EQ, there's, um, I use Simple, so many other ones. So EQ Bank, Neo, Simple, um, if you're Canadian. Putting in a high interest savings account, you're not really thinking about it. It's like, for example, I have this one mentor who <laughs> he thinks, oh, then again, he's a millionaire. So he doesn't really <laughs> think the way I think, but <laughs> he thinks, sitting having money sit idle in a high interest savings account is pointless but for regular folks like us yeah I feel like <laughs> I can't just sell a house to like yeah the money. no for sure um, you know, so, so I think it's so important and even if it's just sitting there collecting little 2.5 percent or whatever mm-hmm. having that peace of mind is so much more worth than making money off of it so this yeah so that's just future plan spending so you're just putting your money in account same it's same high interest savings account you might want to have it in a different bucket or name it something else but that's that's something that you're going to pull out of regularly and it's something that'll be like okay I know my car needs a tune-up or I'll need new tires let me put money in that account for that or it could be for a vacation that's coming up anything I put my (laughs) I put my personal care in a sinking fund because I like to spend freely in that category. So I know like, okay, I'm going to be pulling out of it instead of me budgeting for it every month and like, you know, pulling it out of my income every month. How about I just put a large sum? I put 
a thousand dollars away into a high interest savings account. And then whatever I want to get like a facial or like go to Sephora mm-hmm. or something like that, I just pull it from that account. So having a sinking fund is great. And I actually had this one lady message me, um, today actually. And she was just like, Oh, I'm, I, she gave me the idea of having a sinking fund for seasonal. She's like, Oh, I, I should have a seasonal sinking fund that way. Like when the seasons mm-hmm. change, you can just go buy your clothes, buy the boots yeah. and it's already sitting there for you. And you'll have to like go into debt or like, if you see something that's on sale, I love this. You could just buy it. So sinking fund. It sounds to me like based off my goals that I need to start looking at an emergency fund and a sinking fund and figuring out how to get those set up and initiated and start contributing to those. Yeah. So your sinking fund will just be like, you can even like calculate whatever things that you want in, into it and then divide it by how many months you want to, or how much you could put into it each month. And then just make that as a regular savings contribution every yeah. month. But your emergency fund is number one. I love that. This is getting me so excited. I love it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm, I'm so excited for this. The wheels are turning. The, the wheels are turning. This is awesome. What led you to share your financial story online? Oh, yes. Okay. So I love transparency. Like when other people are sharing, like how much they make and what they're spending and things like that, I'm not the person that's like, oh, you're bragging, like, humble brag like you know those people who will say things like that I'm the person that's just like okay like tell me more like how did you do this how can I do this I'm the type of person that like if I see you do something then I know that I can do it too and even like I do that with everything that's my mindset for everything like even when I started driving like driving on the highway was scary to me I'm like how do people do that but if people are doing it then that means I can do it too so like that's how I think in my mind, I was just like, okay, well, if I am sharing like budgeting and savings tips, like I'm going to share my journey as well. I'm going to be transparent with my income and like what I'm spending and what I'm saving because it was that person that on YouTube who I watched her, their budget breakdown and they were sharing what they're saving and spending and what they're making. And that encouraged me to increase my income and get multiple streams of income. So I was just like, okay, well, if that if that person had that impact on me, then I can have that impact on other people. I used to get messages. I don't get them anymore. But like when I first started out, I used to get message, messages of um, like people would DM, DM me and they'd be like, oh, like you shouldn't share your numbers online. Like you have to be sensitive or this is out of touch. You have to be sensitive to how people are making like minimum wage and like mm-hmm. people are struggling to buy their groceries and you're over here making X amount of money. And I, and I thought to myself, like, if I didn't share, then I'm not helping people realize that they can get out of that situation. So I never agreed with that. I was just like, mm, no, because then I wouldn't be where I am if somebody didn't share. <laughs> No, and it's so true. It was It was so inspirational and refreshing because money is such a taboo subject still now. And it was just yeah. so nice to see you, one, being so knowledgeable about it. I was like, I need to do some research because um, <laughs> everything that she is saying, I'm like, I have no idea what she's talking about. But I, <laughs> I thought it was so interesting. It was so cool and like I said, refreshing. And it's like, I wanted to get to a place where I felt comfortable to talk about 
money with my friends or family or like literally whoever, right? Because if you are in control, like you said, and you're telling your money what to do, it really shouldn't be such a taboo subject. Yeah. I I always thought it was weird. Even growing up, like my parents really didn't talk about money much. The only like money instances I remember like growing up was that my mom was cutting off her credit cards. And I remember my mom told me when I was really little, she's like, oh, no one's going to marry you if you have debt. I remember she did those two things, like the cutting out the credit cards and that. So I always felt like, okay, my perception of money was like, credit cards are bad and don't have debt. And so that was it. There was no other money talks. As an adult, I always felt, even when I was deeply in debt and I had no shame of sharing that I had debt and I was going through it, I thought I thought it was weird that people didn't talk about it. And I was just like, well, yeah, I'm paying off my debt. I just love transparency. I just feel like everyone should talk about it, make it normal. I feel like we talk about everything else, even the grossest stuff. Yeah, there are some things <laughs> we don't so need much. to be sharing on the internet. And I would say financial wellness and managing your money is not one of them. <laughs> Exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. That is so true. Can you share with (laughs) listeners and people who will be eventually listening to this episode where they can find you online, the products that they can purchase from you, like your budget tracker, anything that you are currently working on, where can they find you online? Yeah. So I am OU budget with two H's. So O-H-H-U budget, Y-O-U budget on all platforms. I have some like scammer accounts trying to like you're that popular now that you got all the scammy accounts I know I I made it (laughs) thanks yeah so being mindful of like how it's spelled I even pinned a post on my Instagram saying like this is my only account so yeah so I'm on OU budget on all platforms um I sell budgeting templates and savings trackers and year-to-date dashboards on my Etsy shop and I'm coming up with a website I have someone working on it as we speak so that should come out like in the fall so if you go on my Etsy and you're interested in getting a budgeting template there are two different types um which is the regular annual budget is the one that you are using and then you have the month budget which is using last month's income to fund this month's paycheck but you get access to both templates because sometimes people um are a month ahead they're they've saved up to be a month ahead and then they find themselves using the current month's income to cover some bills and expenses and then they realize you know what like I'm not a month ahead like I'm touching what I shouldn't be touching so they switch over to the template and most people actually work their way to being a month ahead so right now they're not and they're saving up a little by little so that they can live off what they save to be about that. And it comes in pink and blue. <laughs>